guys. Welcome to episode three of Beyond a Parent, the podcast for Christians seeking clarity for parenting in a confusing world. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Chuck. And we are the children and student pastors at Central Baptist Church, uh, respectively. What does respectively mean? Um, It means I said it in the same order that we introduced ourselves. I've always wondered that. That's okay. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, so we're coming in... uh, off uh, a little break, Jeremy. We got our coffee. What What are you drinking? Um, I don't know. It came out of the instant coffee machine in the chapel. I think it's Folgers. Is it good? Meh. Oh, okay. My uh, high school son taught me that word. Yeah, uh, I like that. Meh and bruh. Those bruh. are the words that we should really. I think we should start off with like a new Gen <laughs> Z word of the day. No. No? No, uh, Gen Xers hate Gen Z words. Oh, but you probably hear it a lot. So, bruh is is a term of endearment, correct? B-R-U-H, bruh. Yeah. So, I know that sounds very disrespectful, but usually that is a positive term. It sounds like you were saying a word and something happened and you couldn't finish saying the word. You know, like brush or brother or... Maybe they mean like brush your teeth and they just (laughs) didn't get that far. That would be worse than just saying, bro. Well, that's fun. Cool. Where are we at, Jeremy? So last week, our last episode, we talked about uh, your testimony. That leads me to a a question I would like to ask. So imagine, uh, parents that are listening have faced this, I know. Uh, You have a child, and they get saved in the children's ministry. They come back from a Sunday night, and the children's pastor tells you, hey, your kid made this decision, and you're excited. You cry tears of joy, you attend a baptism, Pastor Jeremy does a great job, and Mm -hmm. then fast forward, it's high school, your kid goes off to camp, and they come back and tell you about this amazing service on Thursday night at camp where God was moving, and they realized that they were not a Christian, and they got saved at camp, and now Pastor Chuck is telling them they need to get baptized. Yeah. And... You are feeling all of these emotions as a parent. You're thinking, I have this experience from eight years ago that was huge in my life, and Mm -hmm. I thought my kid was saved. Uh, What did they tell them at camp? What did that preacher say that got my kid doubting their salvation? What, as a student pastor, leader in the church, what's your advice? What's your thought to those parents? Well, I think it's easy (laughs) for us to think that, like, almost like, man, that meant nothing. I don't know. Some Maybe some parents feel embarrassed about that or like that that moment in their, kid, in their kid's life when they were a lot younger and made a profession of faith that it's belittled. But I think there is value in seeing it all as a process and seeing uh, not that salvation's a process. We know that salvation is a moment, but the Holy Spirit's drawing is a process. So I think it's important that we can't we can't see their heart, uh, but we've just got to really go with what what our kids are telling us God is doing in their life, and um, so we know there's a turning, uh, a moment of repentance and salvation, but there is a process that led up to that moment of turning, um, and there's a process of sanctification after that turning. So. Um, there are moments, looking back on it, Jeremy, in my testimony, like, I really can't tell you. I know 100% sure this was the exact moment, especially because there were so many times, you know, I felt convicted. I got assurance of my salvation, and I really could not tell you this. I know this was the exact moment. But I know 
that there was a moment of turning, and I am uh, trusting in no one but Jesus for my salvation. And so there's a time in many people's lives where that time isn't always clear, and that's okay. Um, and there's there's no way to know 100% sure when someone is turned. We can't see their heart. So I don't know, Jeremy, have you ever... Uh, like use the terminology or what do you think about the term terminology of telling, telling someone, yes, you are saved. You are a Christian. What do you do with that? I think it's dangerous. Uh, I'm not saying I would never, you know, obviously every situation is different. And um, when you're talking to uh, someone that you're, you're leading or teaching or, or offering counsel to, you've got to be spirit filled and spirit led. Uh, so I wouldn't say there's never a situation, but I would be very careful trying to convince someone that they're saved. At the same time, I would be very comfortable sharing truth with somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we discussed earlier, and maybe we need to to hit on this in a future podcast, um, uh, some stuff from First John that can give us assurance of our salvation. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be afraid to share those truths with somebody. Um, just like I also wouldn't be afraid to share the counter facts to that. You know, if, yeah. if, you're, if you're not experiencing this, that might be an indication that you're lost. You right. know? Um, I wouldn't be afraid to share any truth, but I would be trying to share it in a way that was not leading or trying to convince them of lostness or yeah. salvation. I would want to leave that to God. I think it's very important for us not to tell our kids, oh, because we don't know their heart, we don't need to say, "Hey, yeah, you already made this decision. You don't need to. You don't need to worry about this anymore." Because bottom line is, like, we know this, and I just was talking to our students about this recently. Is there's a difference between a possession of faith and a profession of faith? Many people have professed that they are Christians, and Matthew seven, Jesus says, many at the end are going to say, "Lord, Lord," and went before they are basically. Uh, cast into hell, they're going to think they are Christians. They're going to think and expect that they're going to heaven. Um, that And they're going to point to all the works that they did, meaning they never really trusted in Jesus for their salvation. They never followed him. And uh, like, there's going to be many people who made a profession, claimed to be Christian, but they never possessed salvation. So we don't want to point to just their profession of faith as proof of their salvation. But bottom line, like, Jeremy, you know this, um, kids and students in our ministries, we can say the same thing over and over again. Then we a, a guest preacher comes in or I take our students to camp, and it's like we just see an incredible, like, result of, of people, you know, putting their faith in Jesus or just getting things right with God, and we're like, We've been telling, I've been saying this over and over again. And we go to camp and some other guy says it and boom, it's like they never were listening to me. Sometimes parents, you may think that like, man, I've been pouring Jesus into my kids. And I think in that moment, it's just important for us to realize, you know, just thank God that God's speaking to our kids. Like he, we want to, we want to be the vessels that God uses. But if, if God just reveals to them later on, even after we've poured Jesus into them for years, realize that our work was not in vain. Our pointing our kids to Christ was not uh, pointless. It was all part of the process. We just trust with what God's doing in their heart in that moment. Yeah. I think um, if you have a, a child uh, that's struggling with whether or not they're saved, 
and you're the one in this conversation with them and they decide they're not saved and they want to get saved. After that experience, after that prayer, after leading them through that discussion, I would end that conversation with, you don't have to wrestle with this anymore. Mm-hmm. After this experience, if, yeah. you're, if you mean this and you're feeling this and this is real, you don't have to wrestle with this anymore. Yeah. Um, because sometimes the reason we're wrestling with our salvation is because we ourselves aren't experiencing Christian growth. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we feel like we're in the same place we were before. And that's not always a true indicator of our salvation, but it can cause us to struggle. Yeah. So I want to encourage that kid that, hey, you're a child of God now, and it's time to grow mm-hmm. and become more like him so that we don't keep wrestling. Because our enemy would love, he would love for us to stay lost, but once we're born again, he would love for us to stay infant Christians and Mm -hmm. not grow. He would love for us to stay right there and doubt it and wrestle with it and never have a chance to grow. So I don't, I don't want to convince someone they're saved before they are saved. But if there's a moment, you know, of salvation, I want them to find some peace and comfort in that moment. So they're not moving forward. They're not still wrestling with that. So we went through and shared my story, but Jeremy, if you can share, um, your story, how you came to Christ, and what your background was leading up to that. Okay, so um, very different from yours. I, uh, When I was a kid, um, elementary age, we went to church very irregularly. There were periods of my life from that time where we went uh, for months at a time um, regularly. I can remember times when my parents even served in the church, um, but... It was never this long-standing experience for us. It wasn't every week. Um, And then there were times that we didn't go to church at all, you know, for long spans of time, Time times that we just went to church with my grandparents at Christmas or Easter or, or, you know, I remember here's this special event. We're going to church this day, but it's not a normal pattern in our Mm -hmm. life. But I remember one Monday morning, Um, I'm at home, it's in the summer, and my great uncle shows up at our house, and he says, "Uh, don't you remember I signed you up to go to camp? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) And uh, we're throwing all my stuff in a backpack, getting a a sleeping bag, and I went to camp as a kid. Only one time I went to camp, and I remember almost nothing about what happened at this camp. Mm. We were at Camp Caraway, I do remember that. And uh, I remember... Nothing spiritual from that camp. I'm not saying it didn't happen. There's a lot of things I don't remember from my childhood or misremember from my childhood. But apparently I told somebody that I became a child of God or Mm -hmm. I had some kind of profession of faith at camp or after camp because very soon after we got back from that camp, I was baptized Mm -hmm. at the church that I attended. And uh, I have no doubt in my mind that in that time, I was convinced that I was a child of God, Mm. no doubt. Um, And I believe my mom and dad thought that I was a child of God. And obviously, whoever the leaders were at that church thought that I was a child of God. Um, I can't believe that they would have baptized me in good faith without having a reason to believe that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, I I continue, obviously, to get older. My parents got divorced. Um, I'm hitting middle school. I'm making horrible decisions, very clear to me. I understood 
the gospel. I'd heard it, and um, I was convinced that I was not a child of God. The biggest thing that convinced me was that I could do things that I knew were um, contrary to, to God's commands. I knew I was sinning, even though I didn't attend church. I didn't need someone to help me understand that shoplifting was something God mm-hmm. didn't want me to do um, and other dumb things that I was doing. But there was no conviction in my heart. Wow. I didn't feel bad about what I was doing unless I got caught. Move into my high school years, uh, I'm becoming an angry teenager, which is uh, cheesy to say now, but that was that was my attempt at being edgy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm angry at God, I'm angry at my parents, I'm angry at school. I'm convinced then that I'm not a Christian. Um, and I can remember, though, laying in bed at night, trying to sleep, worrying about eternity mm-hmm. and what comes next after after I die. Um, then I'm 20 years old. Somebody invites me to church, and uh, I show up kind of half-heartedly. Let's see what's going on in this building. Um, and if you're raised in this area, someone's always inviting you to church. Yeah. And uh, I thought I'll go this one time, and then I can tell the next person that invites me, no, I'm not going. I've already tried church. Um, so I get here. I'm hearing the gospel. And like I said, I think I understood it before that, but it's really clicking. Um, and some things that, that go along with the gospel are really appealing to me. The concept of a father that loves me and that um, is always going to be there for me. And even though I chose to be his enemy, he wants to adopt me into his family. Mm-hmm. Um, that resonated with me. So here I am 20 years old, turning away from my sin from what I believe to be the first time putting my trust in Christ, committing to following him as an adult, uh, and getting baptized for what I believe is the first true time, I think. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, uh, I was an 8-year-old, 9-year-old that got dunked underwater. As an adult, I was a 20-year-old that actually got baptized um, because baptism follows your salvation, obviously. So um, uh, my mom and dad, who loved me and wanted me to go to heaven, may have been resting on, convinced by that yeah. baptism of that eight-year-old, but I was lost that whole time mm. um, until I'm a 20-year-old adult. Mm. So what then, you you said, Jeremy, you knew when you weren't, that you weren't saved, and you said it was because there was no conviction of sin, like it was very clear to, me, to you. Um, but as parents then, hearing both of our stories, what can we do to put our kids in a position to hear from God, his offer of salvation, what is our responsibility then in that moment? Where does our role come into play? Twofold. Number one, it's our job to make sure they understand the facts, the information of the gospel. Mm -hmm. If they don't get that, they can't become a child of God. They can't be saved if they don't understand the gospel. Yeah. If they don't understand that they are natural-born enemies of God, lost, that they are on their way to an eternal punishment. Mm-hmm. If they don't understand that Christ literally came to earth to die in our place, to take the punishment we deserve. If they don't understand he died on the cross, was buried, resurrected on the third day. Yeah. If they don't understand those facts, if they don't understand that to turn to him, they must first 
turn away from their sin, Mm -hmm. put their trust in him. If they don't understand salvation as repentance and faith, they can't become a child of God. So first thing is you have to give them this information. Um, But the second thing is, and I think this is equally important, uh, it's our job to model Christianity for them, to create a taste, a desire for God and the things of God. Sometimes I think we fall into this trap of, I'll make sure they understand the gospel, Yeah, but we don't offer them a good uh, example mm-hmm. of what Christian life looks like. Uh, so I, as parents, we have this twofold responsibility of teaching them how to become a child of God and then showing them yeah. what life looks like as a child of God. So then <clears throat> if we're thinking about this, and also, like, the Holy Spirit's role in this. Um, like, we've got to understand it's not our responsibility to draw them to make a profession, just like we can't actually force them to decide to become a Christian. So we, we've talked about that. We've got to let the Holy Spirit do His work, put ourselves in a position. Um, but then, Jeremy, and you, you kind of already mentioned this, but, like, practical steps for parents to take home with this, we would just say live out the gospel, not just at church. Your home life and your church life must match up. Do we, how do we see that, um, maybe not specifically, but that connection, how important is that connection of what parents are like? When, uh, when research has been done with young adults who walk away from the church, they grew up in church, maybe they made a profession of faith, but now they are in college or graduating from college or maybe just went straight to the workforce and they're done with church. Um, And then their parents are freaking out. I raised my kid in church, but now he's living this different lifestyle Mm -hmm. and he won't even attend church. When uh, research is done and someone asks those people, why do you not go to church anymore? The number one answer is that they believe that the way of life taught at church doesn't really work. Mm. because they watched their parents. Their parents went to church and then lived at home contrary to what was taught in church and in God's Word. So they're learning that there's this disconnect, that what's happening at church isn't real. Mm -hmm. And so why would I waste hours of my life on this thing that's not real? It doesn't mean they're saying God's not real or that eternity isn't something they have to consider But the church, the Bible, Christianity doesn't hold the answer to that Mm. because they've seen it not work out. Now, the truth is we as parents are just human. Yeah. And our kids are seeing all the dirty behind the curtain imperfections in our lives. Yeah. So that's not, you know, completely our fault. But we're not doing a good job of adorning the gospel, of saying with our actions in our life taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like if we had this uh, sandwich that we wanted our kids to know was awesome and delicious and perfect, and we wanted our kid to eat this sandwich, mm-hmm. and we taught them how to make the sandwich, or we took them somewhere that taught them how to make the sandwich, but we never ate the sandwich at mm-hmm. home. We never said, hey, peanut butter and jelly, here's how you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and now I'm going to bite it, and it's delicious. We just left this sitting on the counter. You Mm -hmm. know, like, we're making sure they've got the information, but we're not showing them that, hey, this really works. This Mm -hmm. really is um, worthwhile. Yeah. And so there's got to be that that connection. I think 
um, that can be really overwhelming if you're like, man, that means that puts a lot on me and I've got to be very, um, like almost just like, man, I've, I can't live out the gospel. I can't follow Jesus perfectly. And it's not about being perfect. It's about, um, being authentic and real and I think the the key to that and showing our kids that this is real is when we screw up, when we're not following Jesus as we should, we acknowledge that to our kids. Like we are just very, uh, and we ask them for forgiveness if we've hurt them. I think it's so easy for us to uh, tell our kids one thing. And then when we screw up, when we make mistakes, when we sin, when we fall, we just shove it under the rug or we don't acknowledge it. And our kids see that. So I think... It's not about this perfect living, but it's about uh, showing our kids, hey, we are human too. We are imperfect people, but I'm going to go to the throne, ask God for forgiveness. And in my sanctification, I'm going to grow and I'm going to ask you for forgiveness. And I think them seeing that humility in us is a big, big, big part. Um, Not just opening them up to the facts of the gospel, although that is so crucial, but living authentically our faith. Yeah, because... You're not going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. And usually when I sin, when I make a a poor choice, when I'm struggling through something and I'm talking to God about it, that's this big private thing. Yeah. Um, But our kids need to see behind that curtain too. It is. That, hey, you saw me do this. You saw me blow up. You saw me whatever. Um, But what you didn't see was I went to God and talked to him about that. Mm -hmm. You know? Uh, So you're exactly right. It's... uh, it's being real, not yeah. the last thing our kids need is another fake yeah. in their lives. We can't just put on this fake, I'm a perfect Christian mm-hmm. in front of our kids. Uh, that will never work. You'll die trying to do that. Right. Um, but we also have to put the work in to show them the other side of that. When I mess yeah. up, because I have a relationship with God, this is what that looks like. Right. And so being authentic, then I think, you know, what can we do as parents to put our kids in a position to at least open, give as many opportunities as they can to respond to the gospels, just surround our kids with the things of God. So a lot of times people think, and and some people disagree on this. A lot of people, Jeremy, we've heard this is, um, I've heard people say is, I don't want to force church on my kids. So I'm going to let them make the decision if they're going to uh, you know, attend church or not. This is church is just one exa- example of surrounding our kids with the things of God. And what I just think is interesting is we don't have that same mindset with anything else. We don't say, you know what? I want uh, education is important for my kids, but I want them to want to go to school. So I'm going to just uh, give them the option of going to school or not. And if they don't want, I don't want them to like get bitter about education or I don't want my kids to hate brushing their teeth. So I'm not going to make them brush their teeth because I want them to enjoy it. I want them to like it. We don't do that with anything else. But for some reason, when it comes to the things of God and probably Jeremy, it's tied to that parent maybe experienced what we just talked about, which is they saw this this hypocrisy of someone forcing them to to go to church or do something like that, and they didn't live it out. And it, they saw either they themselves experienced bitterness or they saw, what what do you see putting the, our kids in the position of attending church 
um, making that a priority. Yeah, it's definitely a, should be a priority. Um, scripture makes it a priority. God himself says that we don't forsake gathering together. So uh, it should be a priority. Part of it is what what are we portraying to our kids when it's time to go to church? Yeah. You know what I mean? If I'm not excited about going to church, how can I expect my kid to be excited yeah. about going to church? Another part of it is making sure that you're at the church that God wants your family at. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and last thing I'm trying to do is is get you to leave the church you're attending, especially if you attend the church that I serve at. But, um, you know, uh, your church should have a place uh, for your kid, whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. and um, so that they can be excited about going to church. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you make your kid go to church. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, and I think it's not just not just going to church, but surrounding our kids with the opportunity to hear from God. So again, if we're going to be authentic, it's not just, hey, church is going to fix fix my kids and it's just I'll let them handle it. It has to also bleed into our home of we're going to surround our kids with the things of God in our own home. That means we're going to we're going to pray together. We're going to read read scripture to, together. We're going to talk about spiritual things at the dinner table. I mean, um, anything we can to uh, bring our kids in a position or opportunity to hear from God. That's not going to guarantee their salvation. It's not like, oh, if I do this, this, and this, my kid's going to love Jesus. But it's at least giving as many opportunities as God, uh, for God to speak to them. You just freaked a lot of parents out. Why? The concept of, okay, I'm at home now, and it's my job to discuss scripture with my kids, to pray with my kids, to have family devotions. Mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed by that. Um, it's all we can do to get out the door in the morning. Yeah. Um, it's all we can do to make sure we all have dinner and get our kids to practice and get a good night's sleep. And yeah. I don't feel, uh, maybe they're thinking, I don't feel capable. I don't feel equipped to teach my kids the things of God. And mm-hmm. um, Satan loves that for us to be overwhelmed yeah. with our job as parents. The truth is, if you're walking with God yourself, if you are growing in God yourself, you have something yeah. to share with your kids. Oh yeah. We think that we have to be experts at this thing to be able to to lead. If that was true, I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. Um, we no one that you know is an expert in all that Christianity is and all that God has to teach us. So, but you know something. You yeah. learned something. Yeah. So live that in front of your kids. Discuss that with your kids. Um, and it's okay if the way your family does this looks different from the way oh, yeah. my family does this. Um, Chuck and I are as different and as night and day. Um, and he and Katie, which Wyatt is still young, and they're moving into these things, but they will probably have these very organized, very set times of family <laughs> devotion, not at the Autry house. <laughs> you know, um, we do that for a while. Then we change gears. We do things differently, but we discuss God's yep. word, we, and which becomes more and more challenging as my kids mm-hmm. know more and more of Scripture and have their own thoughts and more and more frustrating when it doesn't line up with mine. Yeah. But all of that's okay because we have these reoccurring biblical God-centered conversations right. that keep the things of God in front of them and in front of me. Uh, so that's the goal. Don't be overwhelmed by that. Don't be intimidated by that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, If you are a child of God yourself, you have something to talk to your kids about. Yes, yes. 
and and we want to give them that opportunity. We want to live out the gospel. We want to surround our kids with the things of God, and we want to make sure our kids understand the gospel. We talked about that. So, Jeremy, in conclusion, wrapping it up, where would you find ourselves when it comes to parents and their kids' salvation? Uh, I think it's very important to have conversations with your kids to make sure they understand the gospel. To have conversations with your kids where you ask them, hey, is that a decision you've made already? Mm -hmm. Where do you stand with this? Be open about it. Make it natural to talk to them about their salvation so that when the time comes for them to become a child of God, they're comfortable talking to you about that. And then we live out the gospel in front of our kids. And we're going to talk some more about that in, uh, in these next upcoming episodes. But... We want to show them that following God is beautiful and following God is exciting and following God works Mm. and following God, um, God has a perfect plan. We're not doing a perfect job at it and that's okay too. You know, God has a place for that too. So living out Christianity in front of our kids in Mm. all of its blemishes and imperfections. We can trust God with our kids' salvation. If your kids end up having a testimony similar to Jeremy's one day where, you know, even if you just pour Jesus into them and you don't see them turn to Christ until their um, 20s, until they're a young adult, um, we can trust God and we can just spend these time, as many opportunities as we can, pointing them to Christ, living out our faith, praying for their salvation. But um, we want to thank you guys for listening to Beyond a Parent. Remember, parenting is beyond us, but in Christ, we have all that we need for this journey. Thanks, guys.